The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, indeed. Ring the bell. We are back in with the latest edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. It is overseas from where we are, based in the U.S., as we get ready for one, what could be one of the better smaller weight fights of the year in the Junior Welterweight Unification Showdown, the World Boxing Super Series finale at 140 pounds. Regis Progress, Josh Taylor fighting Saturday night, O2 Arena in London as part of the Matchroom Boxing Show, Sky Sports Pay-Per-View over in the UK. In the United States, it's on DAZN streaming service. So we've got a lot to talk about with that, but a lot of news in and out of the ring and a lot to discuss. And I cannot possibly do this alone. So I've enlisted the help of senior writer Big Fight Weekend, uh, the man that was on scene in Philadelphia last weekend for the light heavyweight unification fight, won by Arthur Bederbiev of uh, of Russia on a 10th round TKO. Marquise Johns is back. He's warmer. He's in Florida. Back with me. And Marquise, good to have you. And we've got a special guest joining us here in just a second. How are you feeling, first of all, Marquise? Everything good? Pretty good, uh, TJ. Glad to be fought out from Philadelphia. Glad I packed the jacket. Good advice on the heavy jacket, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you need to have you need to have the coat. See, we're weak in Florida. Our next guest, I believe, is in Colorado, so he doesn't want to hear about uh, fifty degrees being cold temperatures. That's a summer day uh, where he is. Ryan O'Hara with FightNights.com has agreed to come on with us even on short notice here. Uh, Ryan, with us as part of the podcast. Thank you for stepping in. We look forward to talking to you on many subjects. Ryan, good to have you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's great to be on and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun topics to talk about tonight. That's for sure. There is no doubt about that. All right, Marquise, you were there. You were on scene. You saw this firsthand on the campus of Temple University, the Lycoris uh, Center. You saw Bitterbiev uh, win the unification light heavyweight title fight, tenth round TKO over Alexander Vodzik of uh, of Ukraine. Give me your impressions real quick. I- I'm curious what you thought being right there ringside. Better be if TJ had hammers, and you could hear that audibly in the crowd, mainly because there was not too many people at the event, <laughs> but also for the fact that he was just at one point just mauling Vosik, and it gave a compliment at, at, as time wore on. It was interesting because had this gone to the cards, guys, the, the, Better be would have gotten jammed because he was up on two of the free cards, which is what seems to be the narrative of the uh, broadcast as well, which I didn't hear live because... I was there, but apparently they were, they were pipping that along. ESPN was mentioning the, uh, the uh, Tyson Fury WWE shenanigans that people were disappointed <laughs> with. And also, to, to, to piggyback that, uh, Louis Colazzo, with one arm, did a, a very, very mediocre show in, in terms of keeping uh, the IBF mandatory, Aduka Harov, uh, who won by wide decision. And granted, no one really saw half that fight because it was, as I mentioned before last week on the podcast, TJ, overlaid with a horrible Pittsburgh-Syracuse college football game. But you guys missed <laughs> nothing on that. <laughs> well, uh, Ryan, I, I know you were not on scene, but what are your thoughts there on uh, Better BF now having two of the belts in the light heavyweight division? I know we'll get to Kovalev and Canelo later on in our conversation, but what are your impressions off of last Friday night's win by the Russian? I'm not surprised at all. Um, you know, I've, I've been 
covering beer BF for quite some time. Uh, my amateur coach out in Arizona actually uh, worked with him a, a long time ago. So, yeah, I've always heard stories about Peter Biev, how fighters, you know, inspiring, you know, getting internal injuries just from blocking his shot. So I knew that, you know, Bostic, you know, um, got knocked out by Peter Biev in the amateurs. But, you know, since then, Bostic really had improved his boxing skills. So, I, you know, I switched my prediction during fight week multiple times because I was like, well, you know, as long as they outboxes him, you know, he'll, he can, he might win this fight. But, on the other hand, I was like, can he survive 12 rounds? I was, I was like, I don't think so. So, I, I said a 12-round knockout. Uh, obviously, it came in the 10th. Um, you know, Peter Biev's the real deal. Guy hits like a truck. And it might be a while before he gets another another challenge, so to, uh, so to, uh, so to speak. Um, he is going to, it looks like he's going to fight. Uh, Fan Long Meng, I believe his name, his name is, uh, from China. I think he was, you know, he was an Olympian in 2012. Um, I, he's going to do better than expected, but I, I, I would expect that fight to be over with his six. Interesting. And, of course, Bivol has one of the belts, and then we'll talk Kovalev and his upcoming fight with Canelo Alvarez uh, in a little bit here. That's the voice of Ryan O'Hara with us from FightNights.com. Marquise Johns is on the party line as well here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. As we rock along, Marquise, obviously the senior writer, the purveyor of BigFightWeekend.com. Uh, um, all right, so some, some different news. Marquise kind of touched on this. Uh, uh, why don't we joke away? Uh, we, we've got this Tyson Fury pay-per-view. Um, in professional wrestling, of all things, uh, we we've covered this already on our podcast. But Ryan, I'm curious about your thoughts, uh, in particular, on this, um, because again, Marquise and I have already kind of weighed in. So Fury is apparently not just in a spoof as like the referee; he's apparently going to actually try to wrestle this behemoth villain Braun Strowman in a WWE pay per view in Saudi Arabia coming up. What do you make of this? I mean, I realize it's extra money, it's extra publicity for him, but what do you make of it? I think it's a joke. I mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm being uh, too cynical. It's a joke. I mean, if he if he gets hurt pulling this crap, what's mm-hmm. that? What's that going to do for, for the rematch with Wilder? I mean, you're you're putting a tremendous risk. You know, I compare that to NASCAR, for instance. Uh, Chip Ganassi, um, you know. Long-time car owner, both in IndyCar and NASCAR, um, bans his drivers from participating in too many dirt races during the year for a reason. You know, dirt racing, especially, uh, you know, with the amount of crashes that takes place uh, uh, takes place in those races and how easy it is to flip. You know, if you crash in a dirt car, there's a chance you might get hurt or, or die. And so th- I'm not saying that that's going to happen, <laughs> you know, right. in, in, in the Fury fight, but there is, there is a risk. And yeah, I'm also hearing maybe Fury just wants to do wrestling. I mean, it's less dangerous for the most part because it's all scripted. Uh, right. Which, right. Know, it's I, not real. I'm, it's not real. We, we covered this last no, week, Marquise. We have broken oh, it to oh, you a week ago oh. that, believe it or not, it they do go over this stuff. Yes. <laughs> Well, so Ryan, uh, you you bring up the injury part of this, and again, there's there's varying reports about how much money he's making. Uh, obviously, there will be some interest. They've done a they've done a good job of hyping this. 
Uh, but I, I even sense from you that, uh, you know, maybe part of this is that Tyson Fury's heart is not 100% in continuing to box and the wilder, a uh, huge payday and the chance to beat him isn't the isn't the biggest priority. If I if I read hearing you on the other end of the of the conversation here, you believe it may not be. Well, I actually think Wilder would would knock him out in the rematch. I think Fury would still outbox him, but you know after getting hit that hard, you know the twelfth round, that that stuck with him. That, that's going to be on his mind the entire fight. So even if he's up on the cards, that's going to be hanging around his mind. When is that right? When is that, you know, right hand coming? Because I know it's going to land at some point. You know, Deontay Wilder reminds me a lot of Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano, from a technical standpoint, was not very good either. But occasionally, Wilder and Marciano both, you know, they they do something technically brilliant. Like when uh, Marciano knocked out Judy Joe Walcott, yep. he knocked out Ezra Charles. You know, he did something technically brilliant. And that one-two combination that Wilder landed on Dominic Brazil was a thing of beauty. He doesn't do it very often, but when he does, you know, it, you know, it catches everyone's attention. Um, so I, I would expect Wilder to knock out Fury uh, in a rematch, but I don't necessarily blame Fury. If he decides not to take the fight, I, I don't really blame him. I mean, 90% of the heavyweight division wouldn't even fight Wilder anyway. At least, at least Fury can say not only did he face Wilder once, but he went the distance and arguably won the fight. Oh, we'll get back to our conversation with Marquise and Ryan O'Hara. A reminder, Big Fight Weekend podcast brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And we've got a lot of big fights coming up here in North America, in the United States. That Canelo versus Kovalev Las Vegas show that is coming on November the 2nd. Whether it's that fight, whether it's the Wilder-Ortiz rematch that's later on in November in Vegas. Uh, any of these fight cards, uh, use Vivid Seats as your outlet for the secondary market to get a safe, secure purchase. Customer satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. And we've got a promo code offer for you. Take advantage of it with the promo code BIGFIGHT10. 10% off your order with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app with the promo code BIGFIGHT10. That's for first-time users, and the savings is up to $50 with the promo code BIGFIGHT10. And it's not just restricted to boxing. College football that's going on, the NFL, any of these venues, same thing with the World Series right now with the Nationals and the Astros, the NBA starting up. Promo code is still good for the boxing or otherwise. Big Fight 10. Take 10% off of your initial order up to $50. If you're a new customer, check them out. It's Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is true. Voice of Ryan O'Hara with us from FightNights.com. We'll see what ends up happening uh, with Tyson Fury. We're going over some different news. I promise we'll get uh, Ryan's thoughts as well as Marquise's thoughts on the big London show this weekend, the Matchroom uh, World Boxing Super Series finale for the junior welterweight titles, plural, between Regis Prograce and Josh Taylor. We'll get their thoughts on those fights coming up. Hey, uh, Ryan, I've heard that in terms of being invited to the Shields household in Flint, Michigan for Christmas or for Thanksgiving dinner, that those plans are now apparently off. Uh, at least what I'm reading on social media, you're not, you're not going to be welcomed over for dinner and drinks. 
uh, because you had the nerve to actually put out there that Clarissa Shields' family member was apparently responsible for assaulting the trainer of her opponent. So, uh, all right, uh, I guess you're free now for the holidays, uh, as it turns out. I mean, I, I heard another story. I heard that uh, I heard that I was going to be given the $350,000. They thought that uh, my story was incredible. They, they were so happy to hear about that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess not. Um, I, I guess I hit... I guess I hit a nerve or something because um, I was working an overnight shift last night and I, and I woke up to Clarissa Shield's te- text message and, whoa, man, she wasn't happy. Um, I don't really blame her. I mean, you know, it kind of puts her in a spot, but, you know, as a journalist, I have a job to do. And, well, basically what I got out of her is like, oh, I'm going to block you because, you know, I have never seen you write one thing about me that's, you know, happy or positive. I'm like, well, I'm not... I'm not in the business where journalism, for the most part in this in this century, is negative. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a, that's an unfortunate reality. Um, you know, I actually was in the works of make of making this story uh, about you know Clarissa Shields speaking to uh, young children in Flint. She, I mean, she gave an inspirational speech. I was going to give her props, and then in the middle of me working on that, that's when the weigh-in thing happened. I was like, well, guess that idea is out the window. So and, and for the and for the that. fans again that may not be completely up on all of the details and all of the latest, this involves. Uh, have we confirmed that this individual, the 28 year old artist Mac, is her brother, her half brother, uh, brother from another mother? What? What? I mean, it is a family <laughs> member, apparently, right? That allegedly uh, ran right up to the trainer, the 60-plus-year-old trainer of her opponent, punched him in the face, laid him out, and canceled the fight because of it, because Shields' opponent was just devastated emotionally, so they canceled the fight. I mean, none of you know. It's a bizarre thing, right out of professional wrestling. So I'm catching the audience up, but as best we know, Marquise and Ryan, this is a relative of Clarissa Shields that is responsible. That's the whole point, right? Yeah, that's what I understand. Now, she's not, he's not a part of the team in any way. Now, I don't know why uh, Clarissa made that a, a point, you know, throughout her last thing. Uh, I did quote her in the story that she claimed that, you know, he's not a member of the team and that she didn't know who punched Bashir because, quote, unquote, she wasn't there. So I don't know why that was an issue. Um, I don't know if he's a blood relative, but she calls him, her, she call, refers to him as her brother, um, and from what I understand, I think that was supposed to be the first time that artists had ever seen her fight because as some, uh, as most people, some people are aware, artists have been in and out of prison since she was 16 years old. Wow. So this is supposed mm-hmm. to be a huge thing for them. And it ended up being quite the opposite of, but, you know, I was actually really looking forward to the fight because from a, from a historical standpoint, you know, had Shields won the fight, she would have become the you know, the fastest uh, fighter, male or female, uh, to win in three different weight classes, uh, win world titles in, in, a, in the fewest number of fights. So she would have beaten Lomachenko's record. I was looking forward to that. Um, I don't know, man. Clarissa kind of has a short fuse, it seems. Hey, Marquise and Ryan, maybe you have input too. Do we think that fight is still going to happen? Is that fight going to happen in the near future? Or what do we know? Or is that fight off 
the Shields fight with Habazian, if I said it correctly, uh, that was supposed to happen on Showtime back a few weeks ago, earlier in October. What, what's the step? Marquise, do you know? Ryan, do you know? Marquise? Uh, what, my gathering was that they were trying to reschedule for some point later on. And uh, maybe Ryan, you can confirm this as well. I, I was told mid-2020 uh, at some point next year, once Brashear gets, gets out of the hospital and was fully recovered, they, they, they can restart the feud back up. Keep in mind, this fight has been delayed at this point uh, between Shields as a leg injury or- originally and now this. It's going to be a solid year and a half. By this point, I'm, I'm thinking as well with Shields, the one woman that actually has beaten Shields, uh, Savannah Marshall, may be ready to finally fight her at that point. So we'll see what happens. Ryan, what do you know on that? What do we think? I actually spoke to some sources yesterday that are um, you know, pretty pretty uh, high under the table, and they're looking at December as far as rescheduling. But if that doesn't work, they might look at 2020. Um, but from my understand, what I, I heard from another source that there's potentially a lawsuit that's coming, so that could also play. That could also become a factor. Is the lawsuit uh, from the opponent's side? Is the lawsuit like from the city of Flint, or who's who's doing the suing because the whole thing got canceled? What are you hearing on that? I wasn't told who is filing the lawsuit, but I would imagine that it is involved in some form with. Uh, what happened to uh, Mr. Ali. Yeah, and, and maybe it's uh, him, right. I don't really blame for that either. All right, well, we'll see what happens, and we look forward to your reporting uh, on this. Again, as we talk with Ryan O'Hara, fightnights.com. Uh, we appreciate him hopping on the Big Fight Weekend podcast uh, as we as we cover these different events. You also broke another story last uh, weekend out of a tragedy involving a second ring death this year in the United States. Uh, Patrick Day, a junior middleweight fighter, killed after being knocked out a couple of weekends ago on the undercard of the Usyk-Witherspoon fight in Chicago. Charles Conwell knocking him out in the 10th round. He never regained consciousness. Uh, uh, died a few days later. Uh, awful situation. Well-liked, beloved fighter. And and you wrote about one of the Charlos stepping up, Ryan. And, and tell me more uh, about what you found out. Because I don't know that Jermel Charlo necessarily wanted anybody really to know or publicity about about what he was doing. But tell us more about the whole situation. Well, um, you know, Jermel probably did. Um, you know, he got a hold of me. I was working at another overnight shift, believe it or not. And uh, <laughs> I looked at my messages, and there's a message from Jermel Charlo that said, you know, he was looking to uh, get a hold of a member uh, of the Day family. And I said, oh, all right, cool. You know, I'm going to see what I can do for you, man. And, uh, you know, when I worked for Fox News as a news anchor, I had access to this database um, that could pretty much look up anyone. You know, I, I could find myself in that database, phone numbers and whatnot. <laughs> and I was able to find, yeah, no, no joke. It's with all, I, I with all the things order. we're finding out about Fox News now, none of this surprises me. Continue, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, kind of I showed another reporter this, and they were like, Dude, like, it says where I live. I'm like, it's, I know, it's kind of creepy. But uh, I got a hold of uh, Pat Day's mom, got to uh, speak to her for about five minutes, and I told her that Jamil Charlo, you know, uh, would have to pay for um, the services, and she was kind of blown away, like, Jamil Charlo wants help? I was like, yeah, uh, you know, he wants to get hold of you. So he'll, he'll get a hold of you and, um, in about, I would say, a couple hours. And so I forwarded that number to Jamil, and he texted me back saying thank you very much. And he never asked for it to be publicized. He says, I want to help out. Um, he, you know, he felt horrible about uh, what happened. And 
it was my decision to put out the story. And so I, I defended Jermel from the comments that, oh, he's out there for publicity. No, it was my call. Um, and I, I felt like it was appropriate. I, th- I feel like Jermel uh, deserves a lot of credit for what he did. And uh, that's what that story was all about. Well, because after all, Marquise, way in here, it is a brotherhood, yeah. ultimately. And and these guys are reminded when things like this happen, especially with serious injury or death, that that could be them. That's another part of this. And so you see the human side, the compassion side, where Jermel Charlo says, uh, you know, I can do something here to help, and I am going to do something here to help. Marquise, what are your thoughts? I thought it was a great uh, noble, noble effort by Charlo to actually just the, the pitch in and just be this out of forefront to step up to pay for the funeral expenses because when Dadashev passed away, and you, you saw the scrambling, Ryan and, and TJ, of them trying to fumble around to get everything situated in order. Top ranks go fund me is still there. It's still active. You got to find around and dig for it. You know, you hear about it in spots. No, just Charles was just wanted, wanted to be about his business, sign up for it. Because he, like as you mentioned before, TJ, he recognizes that that could be him at some point in any given ratchet, any given time. And he just wanted to do the same thing and be a noble, do a great cause. Yep. And a lot of people don't realize, and Ryan, you can speak to this too, that for a lot of these fighters that are fighting on undercards, et cetera, they're not making millions. They're not making half a million. In a lot of cases, they're not making six fi- or se- you know seven figures or six figures in one of these fights. Uh, so there's not a lot of money changing hands. So uh, when a fighter like a Charlo or a, a name guy steps in and says, I want to help, that makes a difference, uh, obviously, for a, a family and, and something that's out of an awful uh, situation. That service is Saturday, I believe, uh, this weekend at the time that we're taping, too. Uh, a big outpouring from the boxing community, especially in the East Coast, especially in the New York area, uh, will be part of that. So, um, yeah, but again, we can't emphasize enough. Not everybody's getting rich on the on these cards. Uh, it, not everybody's in this for the huge payday in a lot of these shows that we're seeing. Right, Ryan? It really, it really does say a lot about Jermel Charlo because, you know, even though he does make, you know, a good amount of money per fight, he doesn't make, I, would, I don't think he makes, you know, top dollar in the industry. But, you know, for him to go out of his way uh, to reach out to, to me, for example, because I, I don't really know Jamel that well, to be honest with you. And he was trying to find people that could, that could help him out. So that says a lot about his character. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, Jamel has, you know, has acted out in the past, but I really feel like Jamel has matured a lot over the years, and that showed a lot. And uh, my respect for Jamel went through the roof uh, after that happened. That absolutely it did. Um, Agreed. Agreed. I'm very impressed. Agreed with that. All right. uh, We need to let Ryan run along here in a few moments, but I cannot let you get away without progressing on the two subjects. So first up, we have this uh, fight card again, the Matchroom DAZN uh, uh, Sky Sports broadcast. It's coming out of London. Junior welterweight unification uh, the finale of the World Boxing Super Series, eight-fighter, seven-fight tournament that's been going on. Regis Progress uh, out of New Orleans by way of Houston fighting against Scotland's Josh Taylor in the main event. Ryan, how excited are you uh, for this, and what are your thoughts on, on this showdown? That's the main event Saturday night. I'm pumped. You, know, you got two, guys, uh, two, two unbeaten fighters who uh, you know are coming in full of confidence. Um I'm I'm pumped. I think uh, I have Regis Progress w- winning a close decision. Um, 
I feel like with the fight being in England, it, you know, it, you know, the judges could could always uh, sway a few rounds, but I think he'll do enough to uh, that he won't have to worry to worry about the judges. So you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think I think Regis is the real deal. He's got a, I mean, he's got to work a little bit on defense, and he's even admitted that in the past. But I, I think uh, he'll shine in, in this fight. What say you guys? Uh, I, I, you know, I think too. Isn't it great for the sport? Both of you guys can talk about this. Maybe Marquise first, and then Ryan. These are the top two fighters, and they're they're you know they've participated in this World Boxing Super Series. They're the top two fighters really right now in that division, and they're not afraid to go head to head. Now, granted, there's a winner take all one point three million. We were just talking about money a moment ago. There's an extra one point three million bonus. That's the big incentive for them to be in there against each other. So that's part of it, but I think this is refreshing, and maybe it's something as we head towards 2020 that we look at as, hey, those guys were willing to do it, others should be willing to do it, to get in there and mix it up um, against each other and not and not do the two-step and fight other people besides each other. Marquise, you first. Absolutely. I think it's good money that they're finally getting from the World Boxing Super Series. Hopefully that payment will go through. We know the long, historic problems that they have been having financially with this tournament. Finally, they got to go through. But with this fight, I have it as well with, uh, with Ryan. I, I have uh, Progress with a close split decision, actually. It's going to be a close fight. I don't think anyone's going to be stopped in this. I do think the winner of this fight at some point will face Ramirez, and that's what it's all about is unifying the belts and having all of them at once. And that's just, it's going to be great for boxing as a whole. Uh, Ryan, what about on, uh, on that point that the best fighting the best, hopefully this sets some, you know, in some form at least a little bit of precedence that we see more of that in 2020. What are your feelings on that real quick? Uh, I think it's I think it's good, you know, that the best are fighting the best. However, there's still, you know, problems that that boxing has. You know, right now, as far as you know, the best fighting the best. You take a look at the WBC and its franchise champion. You, know, oh, you can't ignore no. that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, I brought it up, man. You know, I just, I I never understood it. Um, I, I just I feel bad for Devin Haney. I really do because. Here's a guy who's wanted to prove himself that, you know, he can win a world title. He didn't have – I'm not going to say he didn't have to do anything to win a world title. He still had to win the interim. But I think, you know, as a fighter, you want to fight and win. But to be handed a title without winning, that has to – that has to, you know, take something out. I mean, you guys have probably listened to Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, when Roberto Duran, you know, said no box. You know, Leonard did, was not happy about it. But even though he won – he wasn't able to get over that fact for a long time, but he wanted he wanted to to win the fight a different way. Is is what I got out of it. Um, I still see boxing struggling in twenty twenty to make fights happen. Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, that fight's not going to happen for at least another year and a half. And of course, with Errol Spence's accident, we don't really know what's going on there. Um, you know, we really haven't heard much, probably because of the DWI investigation. Um, but you know, I'm happy that we're seeing the uh, the best fighting the best. But boxing still has a lot of work to do. But I'm very happy that Dana White uh, is going to when Zuffa Boxing starts is going to de-recognize all the sanctioning bodies. And in fact, I think we should we should just de-recognize all of them at this point. Well, I think you know there's some that have put this sentiment out there that as soon as the fighters themselves. 
Uh, stop saying that the, the belts don't matter here. I'm going to fight the best regardless of whether you call me the champ or not in your particular organization. That when those, when those things start happening and the belts themselves get devalued and the money that goes along with it gets devalued because of it, then the tide will turn. But as long as the fighters are willing to accept, hey, you made me the champion, I'll accept your money, then this stuff is still going to go on. I guess that's a larger point, though. Maybe for uh, maybe for another podcast, uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, Ryan, we want to let you run, but we want you to plug anything that you want to plug socially, your own website, etc. We've enjoyed having you as a guest. Tell the fans where they can read, uh, watch, hear more from you. Go ahead, sir. All right, thank you very much. I'm Ryan O'Hara. You can follow me on Twitter at O'Hara Sports. Exactly how it sounds: O H A R A, followed by Sports. Uh, Fightnights.com is the website. And uh, we'll about to start an overnight shift here, but I'll have uh, you know some stories out. And I can tell you guys right now, you guys will hear this firsthand, but my prediction for Canelo Coppola will be Canelo by split decision. Ooh. It's going to be a, hmm. a much tougher fight than expected. A, uh, a suspicious split decision that favors the guy that uh, is the darling and the moneymaker. I've never heard of that scenario before in boxing. That's never seemingly worked out that way uh, before, hmm. and that is the next big one. Uh, that's coming up. You really believe that Kovalev can go 12 with uh, with Canelo at 36 years of age, that that won't be a problem, Ryan, real quick? Absolutely. I mean, Canelo walks around 180. So, you know, you, you put that into mind. You know, Kel Brook, when he fought Triple G, you know, he walks around the same weight as Triple G, but still going up and, going up and fighting weight is still just as hard. So, you know, Canelo's not going to be as strong you know, studies have shown, and as we've seen um, throughout boxing history, the more um, in weight you go up, it seems that you lose a little bit of pop. But uh, Canelo is skilled enough, and uh, both offensively and defensively, that he's going to, you know, fight well. But it's going to be very difficult for him to get past it, the the, Kobler, the get past Kovalev's jab. And I think the uh, short amount of time between his last fight with Anthony Yard um, and this fight has actually benefited him. Because as we've seen, Kovalev, when he has long lay- um, layoffs, you know, tends to partake in activities that are um, <laughs> not so helpful to his boxing career. Not, you know, not conducive, not, not conducive to staying in fighting shape and mentality. I like the way that you're being very politically correct in in, in saying that. I love it. Yeah. So I mean, Steve Kim in his videos. Uh, that he posted earlier this week, he said Kovalev, you know, he's, he's looking fresh, and I think that Kovalev actually having this short this short camp has actually benefited him because it allowed him to rest for a few weeks and get back and get back to camp. I think he's going to have a good fight, but it's going to be interesting. You know, the the, ju- the I don't have issues with um, most of the judges. I think Ju- Julie Letterman might have it a little bit wide for Canelo, but I think it's mm. going to be tight. But you know. You, you got to think big picture. Who's going to make uh, the sport more money going forward? Cole Lever Canelo? <laughs> Canelo, of course. Yeah. Love that. Again, catch Ryan O'Hara more. Fightnights.com. O'Hara Sports on Twitter. If you'll let us bother you again down the road in the future, we would love to. Uh, Ryan, thank you for hopping on. I know it was short notice to hop on with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Oh, anytime. You guys can bother me anytime. I'll- like I said, I'll be uh, up for the next 13 hours doing absolutely nothing but making money. So, <laughs> I'll be free. 
you know, very similar to our lives that, you know, for the next 13 hours, we're not doing anything, except I don't know how much we get paid for that as well, uh, Marquise John. So you and I are going to clean things up here in the remaining moments on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, All right, so piggyback off of what he was saying there, Canelo and Kovalev, we've got time to talk about that when it's coming uh, in a couple of weekends now on November 2nd um, in Las Vegas, but uh, I still have concerns at 36 that Kovalev has got a lot of tread left on the tires. I think he's got less tread on the tires. I I think in the yard fight, you could clearly see him fatigued as as it went on. What what's your take about the conditioning angle on this? If if Canelo was watching any tape on this fight and he studied anything that Yard did in that Kovalev fight, he's going to have the exact same game plan. My thing with that fight, TJ, and I, I, I'll try to mention this with Ryan when you when you mentioned that the Zone paid a lot of money for these Canelo fights, and Canelo has to do something very astonishing for this fight to make it interesting. Because let's be honest, no one's going to put in their fight of the year category Jacobs Alvarez anywhere whatsoever because it was boring. Right. So. One would assume that Canelo has to stop his goal is to stop Kovalev. How he does it, everyone's it's pointing at Kovalev's body. You know, having said that, Kovalev has a decent body shot as well, and he jabbed Yard to sleep. And we'll see if Canelo can keep up with that. It's really an interesting matchup, TJ. I know Paul, as we mentioned on the, on the BigFightWeekend.com a while back. One person not watching this fight is Paul Imaginaji, who questions uh, how Canelo is going up in two weight classes, but. Right. It's still going to be interesting to watch. I mean, and, Malinaji and, is basically, for those that didn't see it, or you can go back and search it on BigFightWeekend.com, he's basically put it out there that Canelo's not legitimate anymore. He's already failed uh, the uh, PED tests in the past, and, and to the point of uh, that he was basically fighting at junior middleweight at 154, and now he's going to fight somewhere around 172, 175, something like that, catch weight or actual weight. And yeah. that that two or three years later, that's just that's not something you do normally naturally. And so he's encouraging anybody that will listen ignore this because you're 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 seeing a fighter that's not authentic, that's chemically altered here on being able to move up and, and fight in this way. So that's another subplot for Canelo and, and Kovalev that's upcoming. So we'll see how that part uh, that part plays out. We did not ask Ryan O'Hara about the heavyweight co-main event. That's coming Saturday, O2 Arena in London, uh, just before Prograce and Taylor. Derek Chisora, War Chisora, uh, yeah. who is a a prominent British heavyweight. Uh, again, a spotty record. He does have seven losses. He does have a big punch. Fill-in opponent is David Price, another English fighter who uh, has had you know has been on the on the contender list for a while. Has had a couple of shots at a couple different guys. Uh, what, what do you make of that co-main event? Are we looking at fireworks? Are we looking at a good fight? Are we looking at an easy Chisora win? What do you think? It depends on what, uh, TJ, what version of Tesoro we get on this. If we get the one that got stopped a while back, it'll be a, it'll be a long night for him. It's funny to look at David Price two fights ago, TJ, was in the ring with Cash Ali and was one bite away from being stopped. And now he, he rebounds from that debacle. He punches, uh, he outboxes Dave Allen uh, recently in the last fight he was in, and now he's a step up fight in replacing uh, Joseph Parker, who had a, the, the spider bite, who got to, had, had, to, had, to, had to recluse himself from the fight. It's really interesting what version of Tajor we give with this. That one that, that, that all media we could sing has been feeling good and great shape with new trainers. It should be interesting if, if he knocks him out, how would it, if this puts Tajor back in the, the, uh, the heavyweight title picture? And it's, this fight's going to be actually closer than I expect. It's actually going to be a fun one. 
Well, Chisora, Chisora's got the big punch, but he's also been knocked out a couple of times, too. The question, I guess, becomes, does Price have a big enough punch to maybe threaten him or not? I don't know what you think I, on that. I don't I don't think he does. And he the last few fights, he stopped the, he stopped Allen, but essentially he just boxed Allen to sleep. At one point, there's a great fight photo on uh, Dave Allen's uh, Twitter page of him having a, uh, his right eye is all but swollen. It looks like a, a cartoon knot. It's It's impressive. And the one with Cash Ali, he had Cash Ali almost stopped, but then he, he, he Ali rebounded, and then he fell on him and bit him in, in the most bizarre thing I've seen this year <laughs> in, in the ring. So we'll, we'll, it, it, it's going to be closer than I think. I do think, TJ, that the co-main event of this fight with Price instead of Parker makes it a better matchup on television fight-wise. So it would be more exciting to watch it as a whole because Parker's style is not conducive for personally as a heavyweight. I, I do think it's going someone, someone's getting knocked out in this fight, TJ, and two to one is Price. All right, so that's the co-main. And again, to repeat, uh, Prograce Taylor is the main event. Regis Prograce, again, you've written about this. We encourage people to go back and look at the articles. We've had the build-up this week for this fight on BigFightWeekend.com. Prograce displaced by Hurricane Katrina from New Orleans, as as, an, as a lot of uh, Louisianians were uh, back in the early 2000s, 2005, displaced west to Houston. A lot of them did uh, relocate to Houston, start new lives in Houston, and it, it really upped his boxing career with the, with the people he got around in Houston uh, at a formative time of his boxing career. So he is New Orleans, but he's also Houston uh, here in this, and now fighting in London in the biggest fight of his career progress. Say a little more about that, if you would. I would. With Prograce, his mission with this fight is to make himself become on the center stage. He's been doing media promotions uh, pretty much leading up to this fight. A, saying he's going to stop Taylor, which is what we know as expected. What, what, what people, that's one thing I, I wish we do need boxing media to start asking better questions. It's like, what do you expect the fighters to say when they're <laughs> fighting these people, TJ? Right. I mean, do you oh, want to knock him out? Do you want to <laughs> knock him out? Sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you like him? No. I'm, I'm supposed no. to say no. No, I do not like him. I don't like yeah, his pets. I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like anything about him. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Okay, we're good. All right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, TJ, you do it in your, your, your normal gig with the Buccaneer Radio Network and whatnot. You, you, hear, this, you, you hear the same verbiage all the time where it's like, yeah, we, we, we didn't play our game. You know the usual <laughs> right. cliches. We, yeah. So I, we need to do better with that. But in terms of Progress stepping up with this fight, his goal, his goal as a whole is to become a household name. He's been saying that for a while, for months. He's been he's been making the media rounds. He was actually out last weekend at one of these games, the uh, one of these premier premier league games. Is actually like just thrown the pitch out, which I thought was pretty neat. And the goal of him is to become a, a bigger a bigger bigger name as a whole. And I'm thinking with this fight, this will help out with that. I also think helping out will be a unification bout. If, if he does win, it, facing Ramirez would help out as well. All right, so again, that is the show in London. It'll be Saturday afternoon in the United States that these fights, the the co-main with Chisora and Price, the heavyweights, will take place. And then uh, for Prograce and Taylor, probably somewhere around 6 Eastern time, adjust your time zone accordingly, that'll be right around 11 p.m. London time. Uh, that they will be fighting at the O2 Arena, 140-pound unification bout. Again, it's been an eight-fighter, seven-fight tournament in the World Boxing Super Series. Both of these fighters won their semifinals earlier this year. Taylor unbeaten at 15-0, Prograce at 24-0. Um, uh, two belts on the line and an extra mill to the winner. Winner take all uh, for an extra mill. Uh, not a bad payday at all. Be the biggest payday of either one of their careers if they're able to get it. So... 
Let's see what happens with that. Did we cover everything, uh, Marquis, sufficiently? Anything else that you want to hit on here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast before we get out of here? Absolutely, TJ. Let me run down quickly uh, the two other cars that are taking place late Saturday night uh, during everyone's Halloween parties. Uh, on ESPN Plus, because it's back to back to back to business as usual for ESPN with boxing back on the Plus app. Uh, the out in Reno, uh, Secure Stevenson undefeated is facing uh, Joel Gonzalez for the vacant WBO featherweight belt, which was left by Oscar Valdez. That's going to be taking place on Saturday night in the main event. Gotcha. Very interesting card. Very good card on that one, actually. It's actually halfway decent. My, my personal favorite, Joshua Greer is in action, TJ. Mr. Night Night with the pillow. He's he's in the co-main on this one. <laughs> uh, also, as well, uh, Michaela Meyer, the Olympian uh, women's boxing is going to be on there as well. Albert Bell, who upset Andy Vence's last go-round as well. A lot of these fighters have actually been on the same cards as Shakir Stevenson and Joshua Greer. That's why it's kind of funny how they're all like pretty much traveling circus style out to Reno for this card. That's going to be happening place uh, on Saturday night in Vegas. Not Vegas, but Reno at the Reno Sparks Convention Center. Also on Saturday night on Showtime, uh, there's a fight card out there in Redding, Pennsylvania. In the main event, Erickson Lubin uh, is facing Nathaniel Gallimore. This card, TJ, has been salvaged with replacements and bait and switches. Trill Geisha was supposed to be on this fight, uh, fight card at one point. Uh, the young kid, uh, Vito Malecki, was supposed to be on this fight card at one point. They have Frank Sanchez now in this card, replacing uh, F.A. Jogbe, who had who had who had had arms had an arm injury, had to pull out of this fight. A lot right. of a lot of a lot of cut and paste. And despite all of that, TJ, if, as of this recording, this is a 15 fight fight card for Premier Boxing Champion. Wow. <laughs> They are going to start what it with breakfast at 10 a.m. and just go right on through till midnight with all those fights. This this card is scheduled to take place on Saturday and maybe starting Saturday at midnight, ending <laughs> the following day at midnight. But the main event on this uh, fight card actually is up uh, Erickson Luba Lubin actually, as well as Robert Easter Jr. is making his light uh, super light heavyweight debut at against Adrian Granados. It's a rebound fight for both those guys, as you saw. Uh, I, I know TJ, you saw Granados last get dropped by Danny Garcia. Right, and uh, I sat through uh, Robert Easter and uh, Rancis Barfelemy and something I want to regret for the rest of my life. So we'll see who we'll see who shows up in that one. It's going to be interesting how that plays out. But the, the other one on TV as well is Frank Sanchez and Jack Mwawai. That's it's, it's a spotlight fight for uh, Frank Sanchez. We'll see how he does. And actually, also as well as a Friday night, TJ, uh, our buddy from uh, Go Promotions, Antoine Williams, his buddy. Kendall Castaneda is out fighting as well in Reno at the Casino Resort, the Silver Silver Stars Casino. Uh, he's fighting uh, Stan uh, Madinook. Uh, that's going to be on UFC Fight Pass. He's a WBA welterweight uh, prospect as well. How about that? All right, so a good plug there for Castaneda uh, that's fighting on Friday. So again, um, the different shows that are going to be going on, uh, the ESPN Plus show again on Saturday that has Shakur Stevenson, the Showtime show, Erickson Lubin in the main event is the marquee fighter. And again, the DAZN show in the United States, Sky Sports over in Europe pay-per-view, has the Pro Grace Taylor main event for the WBA IBF Junior Welterweight Championship, along with Chisora and Price in the co-main event as the heavyweights scheduled for 12 rounds. Don't think that one's going 12, though. Uh, More than likely, it's going to be a knockout one way or the other. We'll see how, uh, how that ends up. Uh, Marquise, we also, uh, interestingly enough, on BigFightWeekend.com, we write about all of it, as we always plug. We got anniversaries coming soon, including uh, the Rumble in the Jungle, Ali over Foreman with the Rope-A-Dope. That anniversary's coming up. We, we love writing about the historical perspective as well as the present and the future on BigFightWeekend.com, right? 
Absolutely, TJ. Not only is Rumble in the Jungle coming up on BigFightWeekend.com, you'll be able to catch on there uh, story-wise. Also, uh, on Friday the 25th, TJ, is the third-round knockout of the great James Buster Douglas, <laughs> who took on Evander Holyfield, who looked visibly not good. And it showed in the ring One in the One of the, the shortest rounds. title reigns, because in his first defense after defeating Mike Tyson... A bloated, is that a kind word? A bloated Buster Douglas was dispatched yes. with one big punch in the third round and laid on the mat almost like a seal uh, out on the San Francisco uh, wharf uh, and, and bellowed for, te- for the count of 10, and, and Holyfield was the heavyweight champion. So, yeah, that's amazing that that anniversary, too, is now, uh, what, nearly 30 years ago uh, yeah. with the upset uh, of Mike Tyson in February, and then he lost the title in the first defense in uh, in October. Uh, remembering, too, in and around that time period that Buster Douglas appeared in a wrestling ring with Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Savage. Uh, <laughs> I wrote about this in the Tyson Fury story about wrestling, that, uh, that Buster Douglas was the guest referee, network television wrestling match with Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man. Buster Douglas was the guest referee in that Fury is actually going to wrestle, though, apparently. Put the tights on, be throwing uh, Strowman if he can, or being thrown by Strowman if he can. Wrestling moves, wrestling holes. uh, Holds, that's coming uh, on the WWE pay-per-view. So we'll wait to see how that part plays out. Marquise, plug away again for more for the site, your social media, etc. here as we wrap up the podcast. Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com is where you can find all my writings. Anything boxing, past, present, and future is it's just at BigFightWeekend.com. You can find me on Twitter over the weekend covering these fights, watching them, cracking wise, and, and knowing everyone else is watching it as well. You can join me at Week Sauce Radio, all one word. Pretty much the, the fight of the weekend, TJ, as you well know, this Pro Grayas Taylor fight is the one that needs to be. If, if, if you had to sit around and watch one fight this weekend, find some way to Saturday afternoon to get around and watch this London card. This is going to be is a pretty. For matchroom boxing, TJ, and these, and to their credit, this card is stacked considering the last few cards. I mean, Usyk Wiverspoon wasn't that great. Golovkin versus Devinchenko outside of the main event wasn't that great, but this one is pretty good. So this one is actually, this one's worth catching, and from there, I'll be able to help cover it from there, and you'll catch all the recaps and news from it at BigFightWeekend.com. Going to be a big weekend involving that fight. I really think there could be some fireworks. Uh, I like Prograce maybe even to stop Josh Taylor here. There's, a, there's an argument that can be made that that Taylor hasn't fought somebody his caliber yet. Let's see. And I, I love what Progray said. I don't care if he hits me. I'm going to walk right through him. I'm going to let him try to hit me, and then I'm going to lay him out. That's uh, pretty much what he was saying in the press conference on Thursday at the time that we're taping. So let's see if we get those 140-pound fireworks in the unification fight, the finale of the World Boxing Super Series Junior Welterweight Championship. We'll find out. Marquise, great job. Thank you, my friend. We'll be reading you on the site. Absolutely, TJ. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Thank you as well to Ryan O'Hara, fightnights.com. Follow him at O'Hara Sports. He was a special guest here. We thank you as well. However you found the podcast, through Red Circle Podcasting, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Subscribe, and a new episode comes automatically to you. And we've got a bunch of podcasting to do in and around Canelo Kovalev, uh, Deontay Wilder's rematch with Ortiz that's coming in late November. We'll get... The following couple of weeks to Ruiz versus Joshua in Saudi Arabia, the heavyweight title rematch, and all the fights in between. We'll be talking about it on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. For Marquise Johns, for our guest Ryan O'Hara, I am merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.